Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Good deal. Hey, listen, let me start off by saying this today. Um, You know, maybe you've heard me say this before, but, uh, you know, sometimes I think as as ministers, you feel like the messages you preach, uh, super encouraging, super edifying, and, and people probably view that somewhere along the lines like chocolate cake. Man, that's fun. It's exciting to hear. Yeah, preacher, preacher, let's go. And, and then there's other sermons that you preached that you've heard me say before that are more kind of like broccoli and, and, and uh, cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. And, uh, you know, that's not so fun, but, but those are really the ones that truthfully grow us up maybe more. And uh, anyways, today is definitely one of those broccoli kind of messages. So anyways, if you can, I would just encourage you not to, not to run away, just engage. And uh, let's believe Jesus is going to talk to us. Amen. Because I think he, uh, when he wants us to grow up, he really means it. Amen. He wants us to grow up in the faith. He wants us to be mature. And, uh, and so let's meet him there. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every single person that's here. Father, we just simply say to you today, God, that we don't want to stay where we're at. God, we want to continue to grow. God, we want to continue to mature in the faith. And so, Lord, whatever you have to say today, God, to help us do that, Lord, we welcome it in Jesus' name. Father, we choose to open our ears. We choose to open our eyes. And we choose to open up our hearts, God, so that your word can land on really good soil today. And so it can produce the fruit that you desire. So just as we were singing earlier, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. We ask you to do only what you can do. You are the teacher. You guide us and lead us into all truth, and we ask you to do that. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the anointing, and thank you for stirring our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you were here last Sunday, then you might remember us talking about uh, the parable of the sower, which is found in Matthew chapter 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. Now, uh, like most of you know, through this particular parable, Jesus said that a farmer went out to scatter some seed, and as he uh, scattered the seed, it fell on different places. We know that some fell on a path, some fell on rocky ground, some among thorns, and some fell on good soil. Now, as we mentioned last week, uh, you know, as, as Jesus was standing in that boat, talking to the multitude of people, teaching this parable, it's very clear that most of them uh, understood what he was talking about from a practical standpoint because they lived in, a, uh, in an agricultural society. But also as you read the story, there's no doubt that there was plenty of people there that completely missed the spiritual lessons that Jesus was trying to teach. Now that wasn't just a multitude, but it was also his disciples. So much so that if you continue to read the story, you find that when disciples got along with him, they asked him to actually tell them what the uh, parable meant, that they were asking for an explanation. And so what I want to do today, just kind of set up the foundation of where we're going, I want to take another look at how Jesus answered their request and then I want us to uh, kind of break that down and we'll just kind of unwrap it from there. But, but what I want to do is I want to uh, actually combine Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel so it's clear and concise and hopefully so it makes the most sense to us. So if you can, uh, look at the screen. Let's read this together. It said, the disciples asked, what does this parable mean? And Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word of God. Those by the wayside or those by the path are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away or snatches the word out of their heart. Least they should believe and be saved. 
But the ones that fell on the stony ground are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now these are the ones sown or fell among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires of other things enter in, and they choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown or the ones that fell on good ground, those who hear the word, accept the word, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. All right, so if we can, let's take a moment just maybe oversimplify uh, what Jesus is saying here and to, uh, you know, maybe to explain this for lack of better words. Well, what I want us to see is that basically he's talking about a surface that basically had an obstacle, right? And then he's talking about an outcome. So uh, we'll make this really simple. So the first uh, surface he talked about was a path, right? And what was the obstacle of this path where the seed fell is that it was really hard. In other words, it was a hard heart. And what was the obstacle there or the outcome there, excuse me, is that they didn't believe. Now, the second surface was this, is it was rocks. What was the, uh, the obstacle that it faced? It was temptation. What was the outcome? They fell away. Third one, right? It was thorns. That was the surface. The, the, the obstacle there was cares and the desires and the deceitfulness of this world. What was the outcome of that? Basically, it became unfruitful. And then last but not least, what was the surface? It was fertile. It was good soil. There wasn't really some obstacle that it had to face. And what happened in the outcome is it produced fruit. So in short, what I'm really wanting us to see is that the first group came to nothing. The second group only lasted a brief minute. The third one basically hung in there for a little bit but never produced anything to speak of. And then the last one, of course, it stayed the course. It produced the results that it was expected of it. All right, so what does all this have to do with us? Okay, so I would say over the past 25 years since I've been a Christian that I have rarely met someone that I would say that really loves God who doesn't want to grow, who doesn't want to fulfill God's plan for their lives. In other words, if I could say it this way, I've never met a person that really loved Jesus uh, that if you came and asked him, hey, which, which, uh, can you throw that last slide up, please? If you actually asked him, hey, which, which surface and which outcome do you really want? Like, if you could pick one, what would it be? And I think probably a majority of them would say emphatically that they want to be that last group. Now, obviously, that's not just a noble answer. That's the right answer because that last group is what Jesus wants from every one of us. Amen? All right, so listen, but with that in mind, if most of us, I think, would be willing to take a step back and get really honest with ourselves, take an evaluation of our lives, like we could actually ask how many of us are really seeing God's word, right, seeing God's word reach its full potential in our lives, key words here, every time. Like every time, meaning this, like is the word of God that, that we read and we discover in our own personal devotion time and the word of God that we hear in sermons, you know, if it be a podcast or live, right? If it be a cultivate lesson or a small group or even conversations that we're having with other people, like every time that the word of God has an opportunity to be planted in our hearts, is it really growing? Is it really producing the necessary change in our hearts so that we could reach our full potential and bear the fruit that was, that was talked about in this scripture? Now, obviously, the answer is no. Are y'all awake? Obviously, the answer is no. Now, listen, it doesn't mean that none of it isn't bearing fruit. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is it's very obvious that all of it isn't reaching the point where it bears fruit in our lives. Now, here's the reason I'm saying that. It's not to beat anybody up, not to make anybody feel bad. I just want us to see something today, and that is this, is that 
It's true that there's biblical truth that comes into our lives. And number one, that the enemy is snatching it away because our hearts aren't really open to it. In other words, we can come to church, we can sit, we can read our Bible, we can whatever have a conversation with someone, but if our hearts aren't really open to it, guess what? If we don't really want to hear it because we really don't want to do it, because if we heard it and did it, it would require us to change it because we don't want any of that, the devil easily snatches it away. The second thing is biblical truth does come into our lives, but what happens is so often it begins to take a backseat to the enticement and to the lure of sin. Even this, I'll say, I'll say what gets a lot of us, just apathy and laziness, right? And, and so listen, rather than us doing what we know is right, we willingly choose to give in, and that causes us to fall away from the truth that we know is correct and is right. And the last one is this, the biblical truth does come into our lives, but unfortunately what happens is it gets overshadowed by the things that Jesus mentioned there, by the cares of this world, by the deceitfulness of riches, and basically by the desires of the flesh. And so what happens is, is when we land in that group, uh, things like this happen, that we allow fear to overshadow our faith. How does, that, how does that look? We read the Bible and then we go turn on the news. Right? And immediately it overshadows the faith that we just try to gain from the Word of God, right? Like how many times do, you know, are things going on in life and the worry that we're feeling overshadows the trust that we have in Jesus, right? Or even to say, you know, it lies overshadow the truth. They even say, that guess what, that the desires of the flesh quite often, right, overshadow our spirit. That could be some looking at pornography all the way to Jesus says, hey, come be with me. And you're like, I'd rather watch TV and eat ice cream. It gets overshadowed, right? And so, once again... I just think this is all I'm saying that when we do that, like the story says, it basically it, it causes us to not bear fruit. Okay? Now, I, I think, and what's kind of pretty simple, fellow, that if Jesus said these things, that he didn't just say them for no reason, but he said them because they happen in our lives all the time. Right? And so when I began to think about that, like really all week, like this has been on my mind, I, I just kept thinking about when these, when these three things happen in our lives, right? These three things that we just talked about. Like, are we even aware of it? Like, are we, are we sitting back and just going, inviting the enemy in to come, giving him permission to steal from what God's trying to give us? Or are we, like, willfully straying away from the morals and the truth that we know that we, that we let me say this, that we say we believe in? Are we, like, telling ourselves that chasing after all the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches, right, and the pleasures of the flesh, man, that that's the best option for our lives, like, woo, that's the best. Like, are we doing that, right? And I think the reality is, if I was going to shoot straight with you, right, because I'm a people watcher. I watch people. I watch how they respond to things. Uh, you know, I see people outside the church. The reality is this, is some of us are very aware that all that's happening and we don't care. And then there's a majority of us that those things are happening, and honestly, we don't even have a clue that they're happening. But no doubt, if we're aware of it, if we're not aware of it, the bottom line is it's happening. Like, it's happening in our lives. And now, let me be clear here. I, I'm not bringing any of this up, you know, as some kind of attempt to make somebody feel guilty. That's not the point. The point is this, is that we're all guilty of this in some way, including me, right? Like, this happens. And so, I'm bringing all this up because I'm trying to figure out why all this keeps happening in our life. Like, that's what I want to figure out because I hopefully am just like you that I want my life to be firmly established in that fourth group where I'm bearing fruit for the king. Amen? And, and so in my mind, if there's anything that's keeping me from that, I want to know about it. Amen? 
All right, so listen, with all that in mind, what I want to do for the next few minutes is I actually want to turn our attention to the why of why that's happening in our lives, okay? Because I think if we figure out the why, then hopefully uh, that gap of stuff that keeps becoming unfruitful will shrink, 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 and we'll get more fruitful, amen? So, so listen, let me say this. I, I don't think this is the only reason, but I think it's a major win. And once again, it is broccoli, yes, but I hope it helps us grow, Amen. All right, so let me begin by saying this. I think for starters, most of us would agree that we are currently living in a day and an age where the lines of good and evil are being blurred. Like, it's very evident, right? In fact, the prophet Isaiah put it plainly in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, he said this. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. He said, who substitute or who replace darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute or replace bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Listen, gang, it doesn't take a college degree in theology, right, to see that Isaiah's words are happening right in front of us. Like, we're not blind, right? So listen, over the past few decades, we have watched our nation slowly decline as it, as it has uh, attempted to redefine morals in our country. Right? Things that used to be considered unspeakable, at least when I was a kid. Right, Things that it was like you would hear the grown-ups like, whispering about it in the corner. Like Those things aren't just hidden anymore. Man, they're acceptable and they're out in the open. Now, I, I'm not here today to get on a bandwagon of, of you know, any whatever. I'm, I'm not here being the moral police. That's not the goal, okay? But, but, but what I want us to hopefully acknowledge is this, is that we'd be foolish to think that this shift in our culture hasn't affected the church in a negative way. Now, in, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't take long. You can ride around town. It's like some of it, you know, the negative effect is just downright blatant, like being very accepting. But in other ways, the, the negative effects has been very subtle and, dare we say, uh, even cunning like the serpent in the garden. And I just think this, man, when you take the church as a whole, especially the American church, in many ways, uh, we've crossed the line instead of holding the line. Right? And, and we've lowered our standard instead of being the standard that Jesus has called us to be. And, and we've done this really all in the name of love. It's the redefining of love. Right, And so much so that I think, at least in my opinion, that so many Christians value relevance over repentance in the day we're living in. Okay, And the last time I checked, and if you think that's salty, man, I'm not salty, I'm grieved. Right, like If, you're, if you love Jesus, you're going to be grieved by this stuff. Right, And I just think this, it's like, man, when Jesus came, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't come and just say, hey guys, I want to be just like you. He came to save us from the mess. Amen? Listen, I, I just think this, that, that so much of the church right now resembles a frog in a pot of boiling water. And, and what I mean by that is it appears like so many Christians are allowing the world to not only dull their spiritual senses, but they're also allowing uh, the world to determine their convictions and to rewrite their values. Now, how many of you guys know when we... As God's people, right, as people who have been saved, when we start turning our attention to the news outlets, social media, Hollywood, the music industry, and in a way that we're trying to somehow get permission for what we should believe and how we should act, right, and how we should think and how we should speak, how we should dress, all those things, right, like we're in trouble. Like that's not legalism, that's holiness. Amen? So, listen, I think it would benefit all of us to remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think this, if there's a verse maybe or a portion in the New Testament that I think that's like, hey, that's 2022, it's this one. And it's been this way for a while, but I think it's relatable. Let's look at it together. 
Paul told Timothy this. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. It says, for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. We could underline that little piece right there. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now, I think it would be easy for us to sit back and go, yeah, he's talking about the world. But, but listen, he, when you keep reading, I don't think he's talking about solely the world. I think he's trying to warn Timothy, hey, man, you need to get your eyes open because this stuff is filtering its way into the church. Right? Let's look at it together. It says this, verse 5. It says, they will act religious. I think Paul's right there. I don't know about you, but, but I ran in darkness for a while. And I didn't meet people there who acted religious. Okay? Uh, Jesus' name was mentioned. God was mentioned. But there was normally other things that connected to it that wasn't holy. Okay? And so I, I'm saying it to say this. I don't think he's talking. Uh, I think he's like, hey, this is in the church. Right? So it says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that, can, that could make them godly. And then he said, stay away from people like that. Now, listen, I don't know what you would personally contribute to the moral decline of what he's talking about. And this is the whole point we're getting at today, so don't miss this. Everything's going to hinge on what I'm about to say, okay? Listen, in my opinion, yes, this is, you know, identifying some of the major issues we are running in today in society and the church. But here's the point. I think this is possibly one of the major reasons of why we aren't seeing the Word of God come to fruition in our lives. And it's this. It's because we as the church, we as God's people, have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We have lost our ability to distinguish and to discern between good and evil. Gang, listen to me, please. How else could we explain a person of faith justifying the sorts of things we just read about in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Right? Like, like somewhere along the line, they thought they were running in a good direction. They think it's right. And Paul's saying, man, they are so messed up. They're so off base. Right? And I just think this. When a person no longer has the ability to distinguish or to discern between good and evil, they will inevitably begin to confuse one from the other. Right? So much so that what Isaiah prophesied about, they'll begin to believe that. Once again, that good is evil, evil is good, darkness is light, light is darkness, right? Bitter is sweet, and sweet is bitter. Can I hear a good amen? amen. So listen, I think if we realize or not where there is a lack of discontentment or discernment, sorry, where there is a lack of discernment, I don't know where that came from, that was free. Where there is a lack of discernment, listen, confusion will follow. Where there's a lack of discernment, confusion will follow. We could even go so far to say this, that if you stay in that spot where there's a lack of discernment, confusion will rule. Like, I'll, I'll say this, and this isn't to pick on anybody, but if you ever get around a Christian that has a really, really, really difficult time uh, getting traction and moving forward, they have a really, really hard time making forward movement, they have a really hard time making commitment and following through with things, then what happens at the end of the day is because they lack discernment and confusion is now ruling their lives, right? But so when we bring that over, yes, in the world, but also in the church, when, when confusion is really there, the blind start leading the blind. Are we seeing this? 
All right, so if you're sitting here today and you're like, hey, I don't really know what that word means, discernment. It simply means this. Let me give it to you in two layers. It, it simply means the ability to recognize, to distinguish, or make judgments. Okay? Every one of us were born naturally, even before Jesus, with the ability to recognize, distinguish, and make judgments. Like we knew what was right and wrong. The law of God was written on our hearts. Okay? But, but when we got born again, something else happened. And this is the definition that I would give for those who walk with Jesus. Okay? It is this. Discernment is a God-given insight or knowing that allows us to distinguish the difference between the work of God, the work of the flesh, or the demonic. We do realize that all three of those are constantly happening, right? Yes. So, so listen, I, I think it's this. It's, that, it's this God-given discernment that we're talking about here that's just not... Everybody look here, please, real quick. Let me, let me help somebody out. So often in the church, I've seen people act like, well, that, that thing right there, well, that's for those special people, those super saved, super Christians. And I'm trying to tell you, no, 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 no. When the Spirit of God came and made His home in you, discernment is part of the package. It's for every single person, okay? And, and, and it's the discernment that helps us, please hear these two words, that helps us stay spiritually accurate, okay? God wants us to live in Him in an accurate way, not a way that, man, we're pinging here, we're pinging there, we're pinging there. Like people who tell me all the time, they say this, it blows my mind, that one week God said this, two days later God said this. Well, didn't He just say, and that will He change His mind? You're not spiritually accurate. You're spiritually confused. Okay, when Jesus says something, he doesn't change his mind because the wind blew the, blew the other way. Okay, that's the flesh. Amen. All right, so if you're sitting here by chance, you're thinking, man, what in the world does discernment have to do with the parable of the sower? I, I realize that that's an awkward connection. Okay, but, but I, I think, and I'm wholeheartedly convinced uh, that, that the ability to discern between good and evil has everything to do with the parable of the sower. Let me explain what I mean. If you think about it, once again, those first three soils, the first one, if we can discern the lies of the enemy, then I believe it makes it a whole lot harder for him to snatch God's word from our heart and minds. Right? Listen, I think on the second one, if we can discern or recognize when our flesh is being tempted to sin, when we are being enticed in some way, then it'll make it a whole lot easier for us to say no and to stand against the enemy's entrapments. And I think the third one, man, if we can, once again, discern the emptiness, right? If we can discern the emptiness of the pursuits of this world or the desires of our flesh, then maybe we wouldn't spend so much time giving attention to and chasing after frivolous things in this world. Amen? So listen, with those thoughts in mind, I I would like to propose this, that just maybe in the grand scheme of things, that our ability to discern between good and evil has more to do with the outcome uh, of the results of the Word of God in our lives than what we initially realize? I think the answer is yes. I think it fits great. Amen? All right, so if you're sitting here, and this, this is really where I kind of want to turn to kind of help some of us here, because I got a feeling there's somebody in here going, you know, wait a minute, PQ, I, I know the difference between good and evil. That's pretty easy. I, you know, in, in our heads we say this, you know, like, like that's, that's easy. Like you go, okay, you got justice, you got generosity, you got humility, you got kindness, love, mercy, grace, all those things. That, that's kind of the, the category of goodness. That's, that's easy to understand. And then you got things like sex trafficking, racism, right? Murder, selfishness, greed, arrogance, pornography, whatever. Keep on going down the list. Well, well that's the evil things. It's really easy to decide all that. 
Please hear what I'm about to say. If it's that easy to discern between good and evil, and it's that easy, uh, you know, and just that straightforward, then why does Solomon pray this in 1 Kings chapter 3? He said this in verse 9. He said, so give your servant, he's talking to God, so give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart with which to judge your people. Why is he asking for that? So that I may discern between good and evil. This, when we read this story in context, we discover, discover that God appeared to Solomon in a dream, right? And in that dream, he asked Solomon, he said, hey, what shall I give you? Can you imagine God asking you that question? Blows my mind, right? And so listen, out of all the things that Solomon could have asked him in that moment, he simply said this, God, would you grant me an understanding heart so that I may discern between good and evil? What's the point I'm getting at? Is that if a man as great as King Solomon needed discernment to tell the difference between good and evil, then just maybe it isn't as easy, as straightforward, as clear, or as evident as you and I tend to think it is. In fact, let me prove it to you by this verse out of Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that seems, that which seems right to a man. There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him. But in its end is the way of death. Listen, if that verse is true, and it is, right? Then according to that verse, it is possible for you and I to think that that a person, place, or thing, or opportunity, whatever category you want to put in there, that, man, that's right, that's good, that's wise, it's beneficial, it's acceptable, it's profitable, and so on. Once again, to us, right? But at the same time, from God's perspective, you know, he's probably sitting back going, I realize you think it's good, but, man, that thing's really detrimental, it's really harmful, it's really damaging, it's really destructive and nonproductive. It'll, it'll call you to fall away, it'll make you, you know, unfruitful, and all those things. So much so that it invites uh, life, sorry, invites death and not life into your life. Right? So, so obviously, listen, if, if these people are just like us and they're saying, wow, that's good and it's not, then maybe it's not that easy. All right, so let me show you something. Um, Because obviously we're all smart enough in here to realize that modern-day Christians aren't the only one that's made this mistake, right, of believing that something's good that isn't good. See, the reality is this issue goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, if we realize it or not. See, the Bible actually tells us in the first couple chapters, mainly in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, that here it is that God created man created Adam, right? And then he created Eve and he placed him in the garden to take care of it. And when he did, he actually told Adam something really interesting. He gave him some instructions and it says this in Genesis 2, 16. It says, but the Lord God warned him, said, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Get that, every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, obviously, we all know the Bible doesn't say if it was a day, if it was a week, or if it was a month, or if it was five years. But somewhere along the line, guess what? Uh, we know that the day came when the enemy approached Eve in the form of a serpent to tempt her. And here's what happened. Watch this in verse 6, Genesis 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was what? Oh, I'm going to ask you like you're actually awake. Here we go. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was what? Yeah, good morning. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and that poor soul ate it. I love you, baby. Let's go. Look, I want, you, I want you to notice one thing in the Scripture. Please notice that it wasn't the evil side of the tree that caused Eve to fall. Look, it was the side that she perceived to be good and even desirable for her. And I want to repeat to this once again, Proverbs 14, 12. In that context, there's a way which seems right to Eve. It appeared straight before her like this is definitely the path to go on. But in its end, guess what? It brought death. So what is death, guys? Death is anything that separates us from the will of God. Anything. And that happens in loads of different packages. Amen? But here's the question I want to ask you is how often have we thought things similar to Eve? Once again, that a person, a place, a thing, an opportunity look desirable in our eyes. Like desirable. Okay, let, let me show you how it goes. Well, he was nice to me. Right? Well, well, she laughed at my jokes. Right? Well, he notices me more than my husband does. Right? Well, it's just, it's just one drink. Man, I, you know, if we move there, we'll be making a lot more money. You know, if I take that job. But are y'all hearing me? There's loads of examples. But, but what I'm trying to say is, is things look desirable in our eyes, and we foolishly believe that if it's delightful, then it must be what's best for us, and not only what's best for us, but dare I say, even what God wants for us. Listen, you had those moments and I've had those moments where we dove headfirst into things, thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, only to find out that sometime later, man, it blew up in our face. Let me say something. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to over the years that are in a marriage that they absolutely hate and they said this, I knew I wasn't supposed to marry him before I married. Right? Well, I knew I wasn't supposed to take that job. I knew we weren't supposed to sell our house and move there. Man, I've heard those stories for years. And, and I just think this, if we can somehow today stop foolishly believing that every time the enemy walks in the door, he's got horns on his head and a pitchfork in his hand. Like he doesn't come and go, hey, the devil's here. <laughs> Gang, listen, he's called an angel of light for a reason. Like... The Bible says, obviously, he's known for, you know, he isn't known for being just cunning, deceitful, and seducing for no reason. In fact, if you haven't heard anything yet, hear this, because this is really how good people think they're doing good things and, and end up falling away and end up not bearing fruit and so forth. It's this. When it comes to the devil, he's a master of getting people to believe they are aligned with the truth when they are not. We'll say it again. He's the master of getting people to believe they are aligned with the truth when they are not. That's deception. All right, so by Eve's example, what I'm trying to get at here is this. Is, man, maybe we can all notice that when the enemy walks in the door in our life, that what he offers us, man, it seems really, really good at first. Okay, at first. And, and then it ends in destruction some way. Okay, it ends up hurting us in some way. 
So let me give you an example, and this may be a little bit different, but I just want to use this to maybe illustrate something. Um, when I was preparing this, I was reminded of a time that when Jennifer and I, I think we had probably been married, I don't know, a few months. And, and we had a, a night where we actually went over to our worship pastor's house. We had dinner, hung out for a while. Before we left, they, they wanted to pray for us, man. It was like, boom, man, like Jesus showed up. It was awesome, right? And, uh, and so they prayed for us. We left super pumped. And, and we went home, and I don't know, man, it was probably like 3 o'clock in the morning, okay? And uh, maybe like 2, but anyway, it was a long night. And we were laying in bed, and I remember I was on the left side of the bed, and I was holding her hand, and we were praying, just thanking Jesus for what just happened at Pastor Scott and Christie's house. So we're holding hands, and man, we're just like relishing in the moment, and, and this presence came in the room, and I was like, oh, and I remember saying out loud, I don't know why, like I like had to announce it to my wife. I don't know. But I was like, I was like, he's here. And we started praying. And about 30 seconds later, it went, and it went from like this nice, peaceful feeling to like super eerie and dark. And I was like, and I didn't say anything. I just, and Jen, Jen's like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. I was like, awesome. And, uh. So she hopped up. We were in this little bitty house, like little bitty house. And it was basically I was laying on the bed. You could look down the hallway, and the bathroom was in between it, and, and there was the other, the other bedrooms, two-bedroom house. So it was itty-bitty. And, uh, and I was like, man, that room is freaking me out at this moment. Like something's like dark. And I, but I didn't say anything. I was like, okay, because I was like, man, I'm going to be looking like I'm crazy. Right? And Jen comes out of the bathroom, instead of taking the left to come into our bedroom, uh, she, she went like this. Like, so she came out of the bathroom, and she went and shut the door. <laughs> it came and got in the bed, and I was like, why'd you shut the door? And then she was like, well, I've been kind of feeling this. Hey. At that point, it was, it, it was no more like, oh, let's just entertain him. It was like, get up. We're going to Shondai. All right, we're going to plead the blood of Jesus in this joint. We're going to pray. And we started praying, rebuking the enemy because it was very aware it was him. And, and, I, and I asked the Lord, like, because I wanted to know, like, where's the open door? Right? And, and he began to show me that I had some books. They were on the, the bottom shelf of my bookcase. And there was, I don't know, about five of them. And a few of them, I was doing some street evangelism at, at Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And I had this uh, creepy dude give me some uh, like some Hindu books with like thousand snakes rolling out of somebody's head. I was having exaggeration, but um, a bunch of snakes. Anyways, coming out of the head and, and get the book. And I had like a Book of Mormon, Jehovah's Witness book, and things that I, I had accumulated for the purpose of evangelism, right? And God was like, get rid of it. Open door. Yes, sir. Uh, those things left promptly. And then I said, anything else? And, you know, there was stuff we threw away, probably didn't even need to throw away. But it was like, he ain't welcome, right? And so, anyways, I tell you that to simply say this, okay, to bring all that together, is that it doesn't matter how good or how sensible something may look at first, or how happy it may make you feel, or how successful it may temporarily make you, or how accepted something may be in our society, or even how spiritual it may appear, Right? Just because it's good or looks good, it doesn't mean it's from God. Okay? And if it's not from God, then it's evil. Like, church, please listen to this. There's not another option there. Good, evil, and 
not so evil. I, you know, I don't know. It's like whatever. It's, it's good or it's evil, yes? And, and so listen, I just think when it comes to our lives, if we recognize this, then maybe we shouldn't depend so much on human wisdom or popular opinion or what the culture is selling. Maybe we should actually depend on the one who is wanting to sow the incorruptible word of God into our hearts so to produce fruit. In other words, maybe we should depend on the one that gives us discernment before we make all these choices. Amen? This is why I believe that you and I, man, I'm encouraging you today that maybe we need to begin to ask God, uh, you know, to increase our discernment between good and evil. Amen? All right, so let me go quick here. What I want to do is this. I'll make this fast. Is, I say that, right? <laughs> I'll do my best. So, discernment's a real deal. And the reality is the Bible tells, tells us ways that we can dull our discernment, and it tells us ways that we can sharpen our discernment. So I'm going to give you four ways that we can dull it, and I'm going to give you a handful of ways that we can actually sharpen it, and that should be our goal. In other words, our goal should be to get away from the things that are dulling it so we can get into the things that are sharpening it so we can actually be who God's called us to be better. Amen? All right, so number one, here we go. Let's talk about things that dull our discernment. Number one is this, and it's amazing how many Christians do this, but by forgetting which kingdom they belong to. And the reason I say that is because you and I, if we say that we're Christians, man, then we need to actually remember that we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of America. Amen? And that, listen, that we are pilgrims and sojourners, man. We're just passing through this life because we have eternal home in heaven. Amen? That's where our home's at. And so, listen, because we've been snatched out of the kingdom of darkness, put in the kingdom of light, that we're children of God, not children of Satan, that's all Bible. Jesus said all that. He tells us actually to do this in Leviticus 18. He says, do not act like the people in Egypt. What's, what's Egypt, biblically speaking? It's talking about the world system. In other words, don't act like this world, okay? It said, where you used to live. How many of you guys know we used to live in this world? And we used to do the things of this world. But he's saying, stop that. He's saying, you must not imitate their way of life. So the bottom line is, once again, I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures here, throwing them out at you. But, but listen, we are not called to follow the patterns of this world. Because why? Because light has nothing, nothing in common with darkness. There is no gray. So here's, what, here's the undeniable truth that I'm hoping you and I grab. That the kingdom of God and the course of this world are running in two different directions. And it's impossible to run or even walk or even crawl in both directions at the same time. And so we're so often where we make a mistake is this, as we try to gain the world's approval and God's approval at the same time. And because we're so busy trying to get both sides of the approval, guess what? We're riding a fence that basically says, okay, uh, this is what the culture says versus this is what God says. You know, is this right or is this wrong? Is this acceptable? Is this not acceptable? What value should or should I not have, right? Uh, what kind of lifestyle should I live? And so we're trying to appease both of them. And, and the whole time while we're trying to appease both sides, like we're flirting with the devil, right? We're doling our spiritual discernment. And watch this, when we're doing that, the Bible tells us clearly we are double-minded and we're also inviting the author of confusion to take the front seat of our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want the author of the confusion driving the rig. Amen? Second thing is this, second way we dull our spiritual discernment is by remaining in willful sin. This is where we so often refuse to repent or turn from a particular sin in our life. In other words, we're, we're great at making excuses for it. Let me say what a lot of Christians are great at. They're great at taking this Bible verse and tweaking it and perverting it to somehow justify what they're doing. That's scary, right? So listen to what Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 5. 
He says, you were running a good race. Like, man, you were doing awesome. He says, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Seed was planted. He says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He says, it's a little yeast, a little leaven, a little sin works through the whole batch of dough. In other words, it finds its way in every area of your life. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. So listen, in my opinion, Paul is saying this, that when we entertain that kind of sin, not only are we doling our spiritual discernment by remaining in that lifestyle, but we're also doing what he said in Ephesians 4.30, where we are actually grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you guys know it's impossible to walk in discernment when you're grieving the one that gives you discernment? Right? Number three, another way we dole it is this, by remaining in wrong relationships. I'll make this quick. If I hang with people who aren't interested in Jesus, after a while, guess what's going to happen to me? I won't be interested in him either. Right? But what happens so often, once again, they were nice to me. Oh, they accepted me. Oh, they, 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 and the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. And what used to be great in me is now uh, the, you know, being corroded, and the life of God that used to flow in me is getting choked out. Right? So think about this. James tells us this. Tells us that friendship with the world is simply this. It makes us enemies with God. Once again, I can flirt over here to get their approval. But guess what? That's messing this relationship up. I told you it was broccoli today, but it's good broccoli. We need to hear it. Amen? So, so here's the thing. If, if, if friendship with God's important, and it is, and here's why it's important, is because he says that he reveals his way to his friends. And so if I'm friends with the enemy, guess what I'm cutting off? What God wants to reveal to me, right? The fourth way is this, and please hear this. Please hear this. The last way we dole our spiritual discernment is by becoming casual towards the things of God. This is where we allow ourselves, and I'm going to ask you to do some evaluation today on this, that this is where we allow ourselves to, become, to, to have an indifferent attitude towards what God is doing. Let me show you how it works. We walk through these doors on Sunday morning. We go, uh, if God moves today, cool. If he doesn't, cool. That's being indifferent. See, when you love Jesus, every time you have an opportunity to connect with him, you want to connect with him. And it matters to you if he shows up or not. Right? In other words, your heart won't be like on a 5% throttle. Man, you're going for Jesus. And, and listen, that can be an exuberance or it can be just in the quietness of your heart. I'm not talking about a hype show here. I'm just talking about a side that says, do I want him to move or not want him to move? And if I don't want him to move, that means I have an indifferent attitude. And guess what? That's causing my discernment to be dulled. Let me add a few more here. If you get to the spot and you're like this, well, I know it all. I've been in this thing a while. I don't need new insight or revelation. I'm happy. I'm, good. I'm going to heaven. That's good. Or if you do this, you become familiar with the Bible or prayer, or worship, or God's presence, or maybe that you don't really remember and you're not really as grateful as you used to be that you got rescued out of darkness. Yes? Listen, I think when those things start settling in on us, man, we, we, we have great, we're in great danger of not only losing our sensitivity, but once our sensitivity is gone, man, our discernment will be next. Because discernment requires sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. He said this. He said, but people who aren't spiritual, not casual, but, right, or casual, people who aren't, uh, basically the people are casual, they can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It's all 
sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Get that. If I'm casual, I'm missing out. If I'm locked in, oh man, it's going to be good. So let me say this to you today. If you find yourself there, just one little quote quick, real quick. One little thought is that this is that casualness is not a state of mind. It's a condition of the heart. So man, if my heart is there, then man, my advice, repent. Jesus, breathe on the coals. Stir up my passion. Stir up my hunger to be with you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's turn our attention now to what can actually sharpen our discernment. Let me give you a handful of things that are intricately connected with our ability to discern. The first one is this. It is our reverential fear before God. A reverential fear before God. Malachi 3 simply says this. It says, those who fear him, that he will give them the right to be able to discern between good and evil. Amen. So there's something connected there. Obviously, if I fear the world more than I fear God, then I won't be able to discern it. Okay? The next one is this, is our ability to honor his word. Obviously, we know the Bible says there in Hebrews 4 that his word's a discerner between soul and spirit. But we also got to remember that God's word, God's word, hang in there with me, guys, I'm almost done. That God's word, guess what, not only teaches us truth, but it shows us what's right. And how many of you guys know when you know what's right, you won't, you won't fall into the counterfeit? Right? The next one is this, man, it's our ability to be teachable. It's our ability to be teachable. And the reason I say that is this, is, is, if, is if my spouse or if my friend... Or, or my pastor, or whoever you want to say, if, if I can't listen to people, if I can't be open, let, let me say them to you this way. If I, if I even do this, you know, I'll listen to you because you're spiritual enough. Uh, but I don't like you. You got a beard. I'm not listening to you. Um, I, I like your shirt today, so I'll listen to you. You know, I really don't want to listen to you. First of all, if you do that, you're unteachable. That's the Bible, okay? But, but watch this. But, but if I'm the kind of person that says, no, my spouse can't talk to me, my friends can't talk to me, then what that tells me, and I've been doing this a long time, is that God can't talk to me. And if I am not sensitive enough to God's voice, I definitely won't be sensitive in all these areas that we're talking about to have discernment. It just doesn't work that way. Here's the next one. It is, is I think if you, once again, it's connected, is this. It's our ability to wait on this guidance. Let me go back to the example I used earlier. I think about every person I've ever met that said, man, I shouldn't have married them. It's because they were hasty with it. They, they, were, they, were, they were craving certain things. If it was support or if it was sex, if it, whatever, they were craving something, and so they rushed into it. They were, they were, they were uh, hasty, Right? And at the end of the day, I think this, man, if we have the ability to actually go, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait on you, that gives a time for our emotions to filter out of the way, and then we can actually go, okay, now I can seek Jesus and see what he wants me to do. All that other stuff is kind of settled. And I just think, man, we seek Jesus from that point, where we're patient and we look for his guidance, then it'll keep us from chasing all these lesser pursuits. Amen? Next one is this, is number, is number five. Um, you know, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I would say definitely uh, probably one of the top ways that your uh, discernment is, is locked in is by praying in the Spirit. Like for me personally, when I, when I really, 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 really like need to hear from Jesus or there's a situation going on, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm going to go pray in the Spirit. 
And I'm going to pray in spirit for a while because I'm wanting to hear from heaven. Amen? So next one is this. Is, is basically, well, let me add a few more here. Holy lifestyle, quick to repent, and once again, surround yourself with people who love God. But let me focus on this one, and, and we'll land this plane. Number six, I think it's interconnected here, is it's our willingness to trust our discernment that we already have. Let me read you this verse, Hebrews 5. I'm going to scoot down to verse 14, so if you can pick it up with me there. It says, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, somebody say use. So that actually means in some translations, exercise, right? Like a muscle, right? Who constant use have trained themselves to distinguish or discern good from evil. So bottom line is, is if we want to grow or sharpen our discernment, we've got to use or exercise what we already have. Now, let me give you some. Let me give you an example. I'm going to tell you a story real quick about when I didn't pay attention to my discernment, and then I'm going to tell you a story about when I did. I mean, you guys know sometimes you, you learn from your mistakes, hopefully, right? So uh, years ago, I can, I can still tell you exactly where I was at. Uh, I was in our youth children's building down in North Carolina, and, uh, and, I, and I basically walked around the corner of what they called the, the 100 hallway. You know what I'm talking about. And I stood in that corner... And, uh, and somebody said, hey, PQ, I want you to meet this guy. Normal-looking dude, dressed nice, right? Uh, groomed well, right? And, uh, and I found out that, you know, whatever, he loved Jesus, been, had done some ministry, his family had done some ministry. And uh, anyway, so we started talking, and, and I felt like on surface level, wow, I really connect with this dude. And, uh, but while we were talking, and the longer we kept talking, and he started talking about, oh, man, we need to get together. We need to hang out. Yeah, here's my wife. Yeah, this is my kid. We need to do this and this. Uh, this thing called a red flag went, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And that thing didn't go away. And it was like the sirens going off. And it was like Jesus was saying, run. <laughs> like legit, like get away from this guy. And, uh, and, I, and here's, here's what I told myself in that moment. I can help him. If I establish a relationship with this guy, you know, whatever it is, I can't put my finger, I can help him. And so we went to the house, then we went again, and then we went again, and they came to ours. We started hanging out like every weekend, right? And, and once again, I liked the guy enjoyed hanging with him but that flag wouldn't go away for months that thing was there and watch this i'll show you even my stupidity in it uh one of my really good friends on staff with us he said no q uh that dude's got issues i'm not hanging with him i can help him and my friend said i'm out i'm i am not even hanging out with that guy and i trust that friend like wholeheartedly i'm like i am that was stupid right and so what happened was and this is what i want you to hear is, is that big flag over time became like a medium-sized flag. Then it became a really small flag. And those sirens was a really little bitty light. And it really, now it was like this, a whisper. Go, get away from it. It was no longer a run. It was a cat boy. And what, I just kept ignoring it until finally that thing was silent. And what happened about three years later, that, that relationship crumbled in a fence. And, uh, and basically, it caused loads of damage in my life. So if I would have just listened, 
and ran for my life, then I never had an issue. My buddy that said I'm ignoring him never had an issue. He did have to clean up the mess later, though. How awesome is that? So watch this. So fast forward a few years, like maybe like two years. And, uh, and I was coming, I was sitting in church in here one day, and a guy comes rolling in. I started talking to him. I was like, man, this guy is that's pretty awesome. And, of course, he did what a lot of guys uh, do. He had to tell me real quick who he knew and what all he's done. And I was impressed. Right? Like, I was impressed with him. And, uh, and so, you know, this guy had pastored before, uh, you know, knows a lot of people. And I, and I started thinking about it in my head, here's how it could benefit the church. Because how many of you guys know when, when, like when we got here, uh, we needed leadership. <laughs> Right? Like, we needed strong leaders. Thank God God sent some over the years, but at that point, we really need them. And I was like, man, this guy could be that. He could be a guy that could preach. Man, he could be a guy that's an, that's an elder on the, on the board. He could be, and I had all these thoughts in my head about all this stuff this guy could do. But every time I would go to say, hey, can you do Zoom? And I would change subject. Right? And, and fast forward, I don't know, maybe a year later, and I kept asking the Lord, Lord, what's, what's the deal? Like, what is it? I can't put my finger on it. What is it? And one Sunday, um, I don't know, man, like this inspirational thought hit me. And, I, and church was all standing up, man, the atmosphere was popping. And, and, I, and I asked, I said, hey, look, this is where God is taking us. And if you're with us, man, on the count of three, Mount you throw your hands up and we're going to pray. It's a sign of unity. We're going to do this. One, two, three. Hands went up pretty much all over the place. And I wasn't like going, to who's going to put their hands up? Right? And I, and I did this. I said it and I stepped right here and I looked. And the guy was gripping the back of the chair so much that his face was red. And God goes, there's your answer. <laughs> He's not with you. I said, okay. That was the last time I saw him. So, thank God I didn't uh, quieten the voice and say, I'm going to go with it anyway because here's how it would be beneficial. Am I making sense, you guys, today? Now, now, listen, that can happen to us in big things, and it can happen in really small things. Like, and it can happen in times. That, let me maybe say this to you guys. It does not matter if you understand it or not. Obey. Because he knows. I've had times I've been in, been in buildings and stores and God said, get out. I just want a burger. Get out. Move on down the road. Am I, like literally now with people, I, I am, you know, listen, I'm, I'm going to pay attention. I've been burned too many times. Right? And so hopefully I'm helping you today. Can't stand to your feet really quick. I'm going to ask you one more question, two more questions, and then we're going to pray. If you're part of the ministry team, feel free to come on down. Here's the question I want to ask you today. In light of the parable of the sower and discernment, everything we've been talking about today, is it possible that some of us are currently rejecting God in pursuit of what we believe to be good? Like, are we rejecting God because we think something good? Meaning that we didn't take time to check it out with him first. We just thought it would be a great thing for us to do.
That could be a relationship or a thousand other things. So to even ask ourselves this, is it possible today that we are hindering God's word in our lives because our discernment is dull and it needs to be sharpened? Maybe it's because we've been participating in those handful of things uh, that dull it and we're like, man, I need to start doing the things that need to sharpen it. Uh, at the end of the day, the Bible says this in Romans eight fourteen that we're all called as children of God to be led by him. That's discernment. It's to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, we thank you that if by chance we're people that's wandered uh, off the path that you've called us to, Lord, and our hearts are distracted and we're chasing other things and all the other details that go with that. Father, we thank you that you're a gracious God. And Lord, that you love us and that you forgive us. And Lord, if our hearts at the moment, God, are chasing uh, vain things and things that aren't of you, Lord, we simply repent today in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask God that you would forgive us and we ask that you would help us to do a 180 and to run in the opposite direction. God, help us to run to you and run away from those things of darkness. And Lord, we ask today, God, in the name of Jesus, if our discernment is dull, God, we pray, God, that simply that the Holy Spirit would come and begin to just sharpen it. Father, we understand that even if we take a knife and uh, we take a, a stone and it can sharpen it, we know Jesus is the cornerstone. So, Lord, we ask that the Word of God would begin to sharpen our discernment, God, that we'd be sensitive. In fact, Lord, we'd be so sensitive. If you say go right, we would go right. If you say go left, we go left. If you say stop here, we stop. If you say go talk to that person, we go talk to that person. If you say be quiet, we'd be quiet. If you'd say move forward, we'd move forward. Lord, we want our lives to be that directed by you. We want to be that sensitive to you. Now, Lord, ultimately, we want to be able to uh, allow our hearts to be in a position where it's really good soil that when the word of God hits it when the Holy Spirit waters that incorruptible seed that it produces fruit and change in our lives God ultimately we're saying to you today that we want to be who you've called us to be Lord would you help us to do that in Jesus name Amen Thank you for joining us today be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.